Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Is we're, we're, we're talking about relationships and, and every single one of your relationships and, and the idea that great relationships are possible because they are. And I know you're going to tell me, Aaron, well, you don't know my spouse or you don't know my kids or you don't know my family or you don't know my coworkers, but, but I'm here to tell you that great relationships are possible. The issue is, is that they're not very probable. And they're not probable because, because no matter which relationship you're in, no matter which one we're talking about, we're getting them wrong. And we're getting them wrong because we are doing them wrong. Because we're essentially copying the world's way of doing things. Our key verse for this series is Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Now, when it talks about behaviors, you obviously understand that the customs is, it's customary. This is the way they do it. And maybe you're in a relationship and you're handling it. Maybe you're handling your parenting, the way that your parents raised you. Well, my parents raised me this way and there's nothing nothing bad happened to me. Okay, all right, listen. Let me just tell you, you might want to reconsider. Well, this is how my parents, their relationship was in their marriage and they're still together. Are they happy? Do they have peace? Do they do it right? You can't just continue to do things because this is how everybody does it. This is how the people in Hollywood do it. This is how the, the people you idolize in your stories do it or your, your, your favorite basketball player or, or someone in your life that you admire. This is the way they do it. If they're not doing it God's way, they're, they're doing it the wrong way. And if you continue to do it their way, you're gonna continue to get their results. So the, the, the Bible says don't copy their behavior and customs, but let God transform you. Now, this word transform is a process, and the way that God is going to go about transforming you is not for you just to come to church on a Sunday morning. It's not for you to do more religious things. No, he says, here's what he's going to do. I'm going to transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. See, Christianity is not about a list of rules. It's not about you learning how to do things right. It's not about going, all right, I got to do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, I have to do this many you know, our fathers and, and all the others. It's, it's not about that. It's not about doing stuff. In fact, God didn't give you a list of things to do. In fact, the things that are in the Bible that God says, hey, you need to be doing these things, they're things that he says, I want to do them through you. They're not things that he expects you to be able to do on your own. In fact, all of them are things you can't do on your own. You need God. And so this, this isn't about religion. This isn't about you doing things. This is about you experiencing and encountering God who will transform you so that you can do these things. And it all starts with your thinking. By having your thinking challenged, by having the customary way that you go about things challenged. Say, so, you know, there is a better way. And when you begin to think that way, you begin to see what, is, what might be broken in your life. And then you confess that need to God and say, God, I need your help. Because here's the truth, and you should write this down or know this. God cannot heal what you will not confess. If you aren't going to identify something that's broken inside of you, God will not heal that. You have to change and have your thinking challenged so that you can identify that which is broken, confess it, and then he'll transform you. You see the process? But it all starts with your thinking. So that's the reason we have God's word, and that's why you have me, because I'm here to challenge your thinking about how you go about your relationships. So by the way, that's also why I ask for a year of your life. You know that, right? Because thinking changes slowly. Thinking in, in every area of your life changes slowly. I ask you for a year of your life because if you'll commit to a year of your life here at Simple Church, I know that your thinking will be challenged and God will begin transforming you through that. So here's how the verse continues. It says, once he challenges you, your thinking and transforms you, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So you don't get to know that until he transforms you. You don't get to know that until you get on board for what he has for you. It's not impossible. You can have relationships that are good, pleasing, 
and perfect. And so today, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to focus on communication. And I think this is probably one of the most important subjects that we can approach in your relationships. In fact, when I do uh, premarital sessions with a couple before I marry them, uh, I do three sessions with them. And uh, the first and most important one before we do any of the others is on communication. Because I think it's so, so important how we communicate with each other matters. And in marriage, I believe that it's a make or break situation. And so uh, we're going to look at that this week. And if I'm just being honest with you, I know I'm a communicator. This is, this is part of my job is to stand up here and communicate. And, and typically the thing that, that people tend to be really good at, they can also use for bad in their lives, you know? And so I, I'm going to be honest with you. This is, this is something I'm pretty terrible at, that I, that I know how to be, but I'm, I'm working towards how I need to be. Amen. And I know that many of you are here today, and you, you would identify the same thing in your life that, that man, Aaron, I'm, I'm not really great about how I communicate with, with the people that I love in my life. And, and the reason all of us struggle is because of what we see in culture. And we tend to reflect what we see in culture and not what we see in God's word. If, if you were to look at the world today, consider the environment that you're in regarding the way we communicate with each other. I think the world has become a vicious place to be. The way we talk to each other, the way I listen to high schoolers talk to each other, is terrible. The way that grown adults talk to each other, it's vicious. I mean, it's not like, hey, you're stupid. I mean, it's like full-on assault on your being and your person, on your race, on where you live. I mean, like, it, it is vicious. It's dismissive, and I'll tell you what it's rooted in. You're not going to like that I say this. But it's rooted in the attitude that the internet has given us. I'm not against the internet. I'm not against social media. I'm not against it. But I'm here to tell you that sitting behind a keyboard and typing something is way easier than sitting face-to-face with somebody and saying those exact same words. What the internet has done to us is has taught us a behavior of dehumanizing people. We don't look at people as people anymore. We, 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 we don't look at them that way. We look at them as their avatars. Go, go look at a YouTube video sometime. Just look at the comments. Many of you, that's what you do on Friday nights. You pop a bowl of popcorn and you just read comments on things, right? Like that's your entertainment. And while a lot of them can be, they're really vicious, aren't they? They're super vicious. Anything that has a comment section, people just go to town and they rip each other apart. And that attitude, that dehumanization of people is now drifting over into our lives. Listen, here's how it plays out. And tell me this isn't you and tell me you haven't experienced it. But how about a busy day of traffic and you just want to get in? Do you just, I need outs. Can somebody just let me out? They don't see you. They just see another car. But the second you lock eyes with them, what happens? You become a person and not a car, right? And then they go, eh, that's fine. You can just come on in, right? Fine. They saw your car there. Let me start it. I don't want to have to go back to that unoffendable series and preach it to myself here. But I think it's gotten even worse than that. You don't have to be in a car anymore. You, you could step in front of somebody in line at a, at a grocery store and just be shredded to pieces. You could be a waitress that delivers an order that's wrong. It's not her fault or his fault. And you get, and you get shredded by the people at the table. We, we've reduced people down to their jobs and their roles. People that God loves and has a plan and a purpose and a calling and a destiny for their lives. And yet we reduce them down to something that we can be up, beat up. And I'm telling you, it's not okay, especially in our homes and in our relationships. We need to change, and here's the truth. If you're willing to confess that, I need to get better at this, God will forgive you. He wipes the slate clean. You don't need to be under any kind of condemnation or worry, worry about it. Just, just confess it. He'll forgive you, and then he'll transform you. That's how we move forward on this thing. So we start that change by having our thinking transformed, and I'm going to help you with that. And so let's understand communication a little bit, and then we'll, we'll get into some, some uh, seven things that I'm going to give you that you can start this week 
that will create a world that I promise you'll want to live in. Four levels of communication that sociologists tell us about. The first one is surface communication. You all are familiar with this one. Many of you practiced this one today. As you came in, hi, how are you? You didn't even wait for an answer. You just kept right on going, right? Hi, how are you? How you doing? Good and you, good and you, good and you, good and you. Yeah, hi, how are you? A lot of you, maybe you didn't even say anything. You just gave the nod. What's up? What's up? Right? You you just gave that casual look. It's all surface level. But I'm going to tell you, this surface level communication is not good enough. The second level of communication is just general information. This is where a lot of marriages tend to hang out. Because general information is how you transfer knowledge to know how to take care of the kids and where people are going to be that night. Here's the events. Here's my schedule. Here's what's going on. Here's what happened today. Right? That's just general information. But we need to go deeper. We need to go deeper than real, than, 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 than general information. And guys, I'm going to help you this morning. Are you ready? Gentlemen, you need to look at your significant other, look at your spouse, and when she's giving you that, all that general information, I'm going to give you four words that will make her fall out of her chair. Are you ready? Say these words to her, and then what happened? And once you pick her up off the ground, ask her again, and she'll, look at, she'll tell you exactly what happened, because she wants to. You need to go deeper in your relationship than just general information. You ask, and then what happened? And then what happened? I'm just helping, and all the ladies in here can confirm this, right? And the ladies said, yeah, yeah, they want you to go. And then what happened? They want to tell you. He'll go deeper. But, but we need to go deeper. We need to be more interested. And deeper looks like this, deeper feelings. Deeper feelings. Now listen, feelings aren't always right, but they're always real. They're always real. I talk about feelings like as if they're in this magical world of feelings because they exist outside of reality. I can't argue with your feelings. I can show you facts, but if you tell me how you feel, I can't argue with how you feel. I I can't challenge that. I, I, I simply cannot do that. Your feelings are valid and they are real. Most of us here today, though, you've expressed your feelings in some kind of encounter, in some kind of relationship with somebody, whether it was a romantic one or a parental one or a friendship, and the feelings that you had, well, what happened as a result of sharing those feelings, maybe you were shamed, maybe you lost the relationship, and so, so you're here today, and you're like, Aaron, I would love to share my feelings with somebody, but I'm scared. I'm scared of the recourse. I'm scared of what'll happen if I tell somebody how I'm feeling about a certain situation or how I'm feeling today as a result of all that's happening in my world. I'm telling you, I really truly believe, and this is not in my notes to say this, but I'm saying this for somebody here today. I truly believe that this is why a spirit of suicide is so rampant among us, because we're afraid to share the dark feelings that we have inside, and we've all done a terrible job of creating an environment where somebody can share those feelings. We need to be bold enough to say, this is how I'm feeling today. Even in conflict, you need to be able to share your feelings, which I'm going to cover this all next week. That's next week. Uncommon conflict. But you need to be able to, in the middle of conflict, express your feelings. I'm going to give you a a great tool that I'll probably go into a little more next week, but here it is for you. It's called the FBI. And and I I just introduced this to my team, and I said, we need to talk to each other this way, because this is really great. Because this doesn't assume that they did anything. This just lets you know how I feel in the middle of conflict. FBI, feelings, behavior, impact. Feelings, behavior, impact. I feel insecure because of the way that you yelled at me, and next time I don't feel like I'm going to be able to talk to you about this. Feelings, behavior, impact. In the, in, when you need to have a moment of conflict, you can share the FBI. That was just for free for you. We'll, we'll talk more about that next week, all right? But you can question my facts. You can't question my feelings. So we need to create a safe space for those feelings to be expressed. This next one is a place that most marriages and relationships never get to, and it is the one of deep needs. So we've got deep feelings, and we've got deep needs. I think relationships are best when you understand someone's deep need. When you understand what is it they desire most, what is it that they need most in those situations? Because when you know what they need, When you know what their deepest need is, then you can cater to that. You can serve that. You can speak to that. You can bless that. You can help that, right? 
I asked my wife one time, we were celebrating our honeymoon out in a cabin in, in Amish country, and I asked her, I said, hey, babe, I said, how can I make you feel more loved? Looking for a deeper need here. And she said, well, you can make me breakfast more often. I said, that's it? She said, yeah. Y'all know I started making more breakfast for her, and it was a good year in the DeLong house, let me just tell you. <laughs> Find a need. Understand someone's deeper need. I think it's a beautiful thing when you begin serving somebody at their point of need, and even more so at that deeper place of need. No matter which relationship you're in, let me help you with the, with the four things you can be listening for in their, their deeper needs. I talk to my team about this all the time. The be, do, have helps. Be, do, have helps. What is something that you're, somebody you're in relationship wants to be? What is something that they want to do? What is something they want to have? Or is there something that they need help with? These are expressing their deeper needs. And when you understand their be, do, have help, you will touch them at a different place in their heart when you partner with them for those things. This is what communication looks like. Now, on the flip side of this, on the flip side, there are barriers to communications. And I think these are the number one causes of divorce and, and the cause of, of, of relationships being kicked to the side. Here goes. The first barrier to communication is withdrawal. This is where you just shut down the conversation. You're, you're all done. I'm all done. Whether you tell somebody you're all done, whether you, you, you walk away from the conversation, or, or whether, whether you absolutely withdraw and go into the silent treatment. And you all know what I'm talking about, right? Silent treatment. Like, like where you're just going to huff and puff at every little thing that they do. <sighs> like their existence. You get in bed at night and you sleep on the very edge of the bed so that nothing, no part of your body touches them. You know what I'm talking about. Full-on silent treatment, just withdraw. Second thing you do is, is it, it, where it goes from there is we get to a level of escalation. This is where tempers are flared and we're now yelling at each other. And may, Listen here, guys. I, I'm going to talk to the guys for just a second. Not that you ladies don't get to this point. But guys, we get here because anger is actually the emotion that is easiest for us to access. It, it's probably the, the, the one that we would identify as more manly. It's not. But just know that's what we tend to do. And so we get to a point of escalation here. Just because you are louder than the other person does not mean that your point got across. Because I promise you, you didn't hit the heart that you needed to hit. You may get your way. But you lost. Third thing, belittling. Belittling, we get to a place where we use our words to cause someone else hurt. And we do this in a lot of different ways. One of my favorite ones that we tend to do, especially in our dating or marriage or engaged relationships, we become history majors. We start talking about everything. All right, ladies, I'm going to talk to you for just a second, okay? <laughs> you ladies are history majors. I heard a joke the other day. I might, I'll probably get in trouble for this one, but they, they said, do you know why there aren't any female referees in the NFL? It's because she was going to call a foul for a play that happened two weeks ago, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, did I get in trouble? Oh. Listen, ladies, listen, ladies, and I know the guys are, 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 guys, guys are guilty of this too, but, but we're history majors, right? We bring that, we bring that up. We bring up the past, and the truth is, people can't move forward unless you, unless you resolve their past with them. You, you got to stop bringing up the past. We, 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 we pick on them, and, and we do that. We, we name call. We pick on, on their family. We pick on their upbringing. We pick on things that they can't help. And we use our words to tear them down. Why do you do that? I'll tell you why you do that in a, in a, in a situation. It's because you're insecure. You're insecure. And you want to knock somebody down a few posts to the place that you feel. It's your insecurities that causes you to talk to people so foul. Heard a story about a couple who was driving to church one morning. They were driving by a, a farm, and there was a bunch of barn animals out in the field. And they'd been fighting, of course. And the husband thinks real quick, looks over in the field, and points at him and said, to his wife and says, uh, Family members of yours? <laughs> She goes, yep, in-laws. <laughs> hey, guys, listen, you're not equipped for such fights, all right? So just don't, just don't do it. Fourth level. <laughs> F 
Fourth, le- fourth level, and this is probably the worst one. This is actually one I'm going to use a word and call it demonic, and I'll explain what that means in just a moment. But it's false belief. It, it, it's false belief, and I call it demonic because you're essentially using your words to place a belief system inside of somebody. And what's happening now is that the devil is going to use your words to cause somebody to believe something about themselves that isn't true. I say the devil because the Bible tells us that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. That's why I call it demonic. That the devil will now use your words to destroy because that's what he does. He lies. He uses words to destroy people and their relationships. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we have uncommon communication in our relationships? Well, Jesus is not silent about this. In fact, there's tons of verses in the Bible that talks about communication the way, and, the, and the power of our tongue and our words. Jesus made a very strong statement in the Bible, and he was talking about the power of our tongue and the words that we say. And he was talking about something called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And that's not what our subject is about today, but I'll tell you quickly what that is. It's when you renounce God's Spirit in your life. It's when you use your tongue to do the ultimate sin. The Bible says that a bla- blaspheming the Holy Spirit, God will not and cannot forgive. Now, if you're here today and you say, man, Aaron, I, I think I might have accidentally done that. No, no, I, you wouldn't be here today if you had done that. Your, your, your conscience would be seared. And I promise you, if you're here today, that's not you. But, but Jesus, after saying, like, this is the strongest sin you can commit, and it's one that you do with your tongue, he says, hey, here, here's something else you need to know. He says, the greatest sin you can commit is the sin of your mouth, and you need to understand that, that you have power in your words. That's why I'm trying to get you to understand the weight of them today, so that you understand how powerful these really are. How you talk to one another is important. And right after Jesus talks about blaspheming, he brings up this verse. He says, let me tell you something. Every one of the careless words is going to come back to haunt you. Every time you said something to someone, you instantly regretted it. Every time you had a conversation and later on the Holy Spirit's like, man, that wasn't right. Every time you used your words to tear someone down, whether you meant it or not, it's careless. You'll be called to account on those things. You'll be held accountable for them. That is, unless you ask God for forgiveness. And then, of course, he wipes that slate clean cleanses you, and you get to start all over. But the verse continues, says, there will be a time of reckoning, and that's a capital R. It means there's going to be a day. You need to get this right, because there'll be a day of reckoning. The verse continues on and said, words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. (laughs) Words can also be your damnation. I I know this about you, because it's the same for all of us that every single one of us is a product of the words that people have spoken over our lives. Every single one of you, good or bad, is a product of that. I've, I've been particularly blessed in my life. I've had negative voices, but I've had so many positive voices in my life too. My parents told me they loved me all the time. I grew up in a beautiful home where they loved each other and they loved their kids. They supported us. In fact, my parents are here today. They continue to support me, continue to love me. I, I came up going to Sunday school with Sunday school teachers. I had a little, little Sunday school teacher that I remember. Her name was Desi Smith. Man, this girl loved the kids that came to her, our church. And she didn't care that every single Sunday there weren't any other teachers. She would take us down there and love on us and speak God's love to us and tell us that we would be world changers and tell us how much God loved us. I grew up in a Christian school with Christian teachers who encouraged me on a regular basis who believed in me, encouraged me, and told me I could do it, told me what a strong leader I was, even when I wasn't acting like one, even when I was scared to stand in front of other people. Believe it or not, that's true about my life. People who, who believed in me. I had friends who believed in me. I, I, I had my youth pastor, Mike Pelkey. He's the pastor of Storyside Church in Belleville, Ohio. He believed in me, spoke, spoke life into the calling that God had on my life at age 16. I've continued to have other pastors and other leaders speak into my life. And the way they've spoken into my life was to believe in me, to encourage me, to resource me, to equip me. All with their words. 
And I know that I've been blessed way more than a person should be. I've had so much that God has blessed me with. And I know for some of you, that's just not your story. And so when we're talking about speaking kindly to each other, when we're talking about the power of our words, maybe all you've experienced in your life has been pain. And I want to tell you today that God's, one of God's greatest desires is for you to, to know him, but then, then he wants you to find freedom from all that stuff. He, he wants to transform you. He wants to heal all those hurts. He wants to take the lies that somebody has put on your life and fill them and replace them with his truth. And I know that that's painful, but I promise you, this is what God wants to do in your life. He can heal that. So even if we never received love in our past, even if we never received support and belief through words, I believe that we can still be people who give those words to others. In fact, God demonstrated that that in the darkness of our lives, that we can still speak life because God did it. In Genesis 1.1, the Bible says darkness was upon the face of the earth, and, the, uh, and the, it was just a void. There was nothing. There, there was nothing. And God said, let there be light. He created worlds with his words. And today I'm going to tell you that you have the power to use your words to create your world. And I promise you, if you'll do this right, if you'll learn this today, you'll create a world that you'll want to be in, that you'll love, you'll love being in. And so today, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of telling you what not to do, I'm going to give you seven things that you should be doing, that you need to be doing. And we can't approach this subject like it doesn't matter because this matters a whole lot. In fact, we need to consider the fact that George Bernard Shaw says this, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Most of us, you're going to hear some of these things and you're going to like, I do these things. And I'm prom- going to promise you that the people in your life are going to be like, eh, not so much. Maybe, maybe you could be a little better. And I think we could all be a little better at these things. But if there's a word that I would attach to what we're going to look at today, it's this word intentional. That we need to do these things with intentionality so we do them on purpose. And if we do, this, do them on purpose, I believe that, that what you choose to do will correct the bad habits that you're already in, all right? So here we are. Here's the first type of communication. It's praise. It's the word praise. Now, not like we praise God. This is a little different. This is where we, we praise somebody, where we, where we find their qualities, their good qualities, and we highlight them. In other words, we tell people what we see in them. We praise them. Proverbs 25.11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Now, look at that word picture for a second. Apples of gold in a bowl of silver. That's, what, that's what, uh, what, what the Bible says. When you say something to somebody, when you praise somebody, when you highlight something for them and tell them what you see in them, you're painting this beautiful picture of apples and gold of gold in a bowl of silver. What does that mean? It means using your words to add value to people. Praise adds value to people's lives. Now, let me tell you one of the ways that this can play out in your life here, and, 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 and let me help you with how you can do this and get into good practice. We do something around here called Growth Track. I know you've heard of it before. We talk about it every month or every Sunday. And Growth Track is four simple steps to understanding God's plan and purpose for your life. And we invite you to join that. We invite you to understand that. We invite you to understand how God's wired you and created you to make a difference in other people's lives. And then we help you actually do that. And on step two of the growth track, which is today, by the way, after service in the conference room on the way out to the foyer, in step two, we actually give you a a personality profile and a spiritual gifts test to help you see how God has specifically wired you because not everybody's wired to be on stage, and not everybody's wired to, to, to run the cameras and the media and, and, and open doors for people. We're all wired differently. So Growth Track will help you understand that. And a lot of people go through Growth Track and they just say, Aaron, you know, I could do any and all these things. Where, where do you need me most? Well, let me answer that today. I don't, I don't typically do this, and we don't do this in Growth Track, but I'm going to answer you today. It's down in our kids' zone. It's down in our kids' zone that we need you. And here's, here's let, me, here, let, me, let me tell you why I've connected it to this one. Because when you get down there with those kids, 
When you hang out with them, they'll have like this big service, this worship part where they're all together, and then they break off into small groups because see, they don't have cars to drive to small groups, so we don't make them sign up for anything. We just do it on Sunday. <laughs> so they have big group and small group. And, and you as a teacher could get in there and do what Desi Smith did for me. You can be somebody that speaks life into their situation. See, you don't know what they, what they come from. You don't know the situation that they walked out of to walk through these doors today. You don't know the situation that they're going home to. And even if they have a home where the parents are life-giving and speak praise to their kids, there's nothing wrong with doing more. Because they go into their schools and they're around so much garbage and so much filth. Those, the kids that come in there, it's not their fault. I'm not saying the kids are garbage. I'm saying that they deal with so much and they all bring it to the table with them and your kids are experiencing that right alongside them. There's nothing wrong with giving more praise to a child. And so when you get into that small group, you get an opportunity to look in a kid's eyes and tell them you believe in them. You get, a, get an opportunity to look in their eyes and tell them that they're a champion, that they can do it. Tell them what you see in them. Let me tell you the difference this makes. It won't make a difference in a child's life. It'll make a difference in the life of the home that they go home to. It'll make a difference in the life of the school that they attend and the community that they participate in. Your investment just doesn't make a difference here on Sunday morning. Your investment in a child simply through praise makes a difference in this world. And so I think it's one of the greatest investments you can possibly make. And so I'm telling you, if you don't have a place to, to, be, to plug in and serve, kids ministry, that on the kids zone, is an incredible place. You have the opportunity to do that. Get involved. Let them know that God and their church believes in them. Amen? Amen. So that's praise. So we add value to them, tell them what you can see. And then there's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. This is a fun one. You need to develop an attitude of gratitude. And once you've got that attitude of gratitude, you need to let that attitude of gratitude slip out your lips. Once you have a thankful heart and you're thankful for what you have, you need to say thank you. We try to teach our kids this from a young age. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you for everything in your life. Say thank you to everyone that serves you. Say thank you. To every relationship you have, develop an attitude of gratitude. You can say thank you. You can send them a note in the mail. You can send them a text message. You can tell them directly. You just need to thank them. Say thank you. I have a habit. It's one of, my, one of the things that, I, that, that, that is built and wired into me to say thank you. And I've noticed that, that there are a lot of thankless jobs in this world. Grocery store, gas station, <coughs> Work in the counter at Chipotle. It's a thankless job. It's a machine. Think of a lot of the places that you go to where they're just cranking people out. That is a thankless job. And so I've made it a habit of every time there's a holiday that rolls around, every time it's the eve of a holiday, when I'm in line and I stand before them, I look at their name tags and I say their names to them and I say, John, thanks for being here today. I'm sure you would have preferred to have been with your family, but you're here today serving me so I could get groceries. I appreciate it. Sharon, thanks for being here today to make my Chipotle burrito. I appreciate it. <laughs> you're laughing, but I'm serious. When you thank somebody, it, it, it like sheds light on them. It lightens their heart, and I promise you, it'll lighten yours too. It, it'll, bring, it'll bring life to you. It's like magic when you say thank you. The Pro Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now watch this. He who finds it, he's very specific about a specific kind of relationship. He who finds a wife finds what is good. So guys, yes, you, you found what's good in a wife, but you can also find what is good about her and tell her thank you. You're laughing. I'm you can say thank you. And when you do that, you receive favor from the Lord. You find what's good. Say thank you. Say thank you for loving me. Say thank you. If, if your wife is the one that cooks, say, hey, thank you for dinner. Say thank you to a waitress every time she brings you something and serves you something. Just say thank you. I know it's her job. I know you're going to tip her. Say thank you. Say thank you or him. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for standing by me. Thank you for comforting me. Thank you for serving me. You know one of the silly games that I like to play? Because that's just me. I'm, I do a lot of things just to amuse myself, even when nobody knows what's going on. 
I like to go to Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah, amen, yeah. It's slowly rising in my heart to the level of Chipotle, but it's not there yet. It's, it's, I know it's Jesus chicken, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's not. The holy and set-apart grub is the Chipotle burrito. But anyway, uh, I like to go to, Ch- Ch- to Chick-fil-A. You, you know why? Here's why. It's just, just silly. When you say thank you to them, do you know, do you know what they have to say back? My pleasure. My, my pleasure, yeah. And so I play a game. I say thank you for anything and everything I can just to see how many times I can get them to say my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's great. It's and what's funny is, is, is I now actually say that to a lot of people too. It's silly. It's silly. <laughs> this week, thank everyone who blesses you, serves you, or means something to you. Say thank you. Third one is affection. Here we go. Openly af- expressing affection. Now, this is not, I'm not talking about a public display of affection. I'm not talking about PDA. I'm talking about openly expressing with your words your love and your affection for someone. And again, I, I realize that many, maybe some of you have experienced rejection at some level over this kind of stuff, and you're, you're scared to do that. You're scared in a dating relationship. I most certainly was. I had a marriage that failed, and so when I started to date uh, my wife, I had a difficult time diving in and expressing my deeper feelings for her. So, so I understand the pain that can come from those things, but, but we, we need to be people that express how much we love one another how we feel about one another, our affection for one another. We need to be better at letting them know those things. We need to say to them, I love you. You know, I, I kiss my wife every time I, before I leave the house. I tell her, bye, babe. I kiss her, and I, and I yell at the door if I, if I hadn't seen her for a few minutes or whatever. Love you, and I walk out the door. My kids, they go to bed every night. They come down, they get a kiss and a hug. Still to this day, I've got 17-year-olds and an almost 16-year-old. Kiss and a hug every night. Love you guys. Tell them I love them, text them I love them. It's awesome. Now, sometimes my wife won't like that I tell you this. But sometimes when I go to bed, my wife tells me I love you. And, and, and I won't say it back to her, which at least she thinks I'm not. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan, and I just Han Solo that moment. <laughs> now, for those of you who are not laughing, the people around you that are laughing are nerds. That's what we call ourselves. <laughs> They're geeks. We like Star Wars. What that means is she says, I love you, and I lean over and go, I know. <laughs> she hates that moment. And then she starts pinching and poking and punching me, and, and the games begin. But we need to tell people how we feel about them. We need to tell people what they mean to us. Tell them you love them. Tell them how you feel. Why? Because God does. God does this. He says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Not only does he tell you he loves you, he tells you what kind of love he has for you. I think that's important that we express that to people today. In fact, I'm just going to take this moment, and I'm going to tell you, each and every single one of you, I think about you often. I pray for you. My life is lived in an orientation towards you. You guys are one of the most caring, generous, welcoming church that I've ever been a part of, and I need you to know I love you, and I mean that. I love you. I know. Do you hear all these guys? <laughs> Said, I know. Now, see, I'm, I'm sitting here saying that to you. There's not a single one of you that was offended by that, right? Not a single one of you upset by that. Even you new people. I love you too. In fact, this church loves you. That's why we do what we do every Sunday because we love you. All right, let's keep moving. It got too mushy in here. Here we go. Encouragement, encouragement. Find someone that is discouraged and turn that around in their life. But through you do that through encouragement. You you do that through speaking some life to what they're what they're discouraged about. It's simple. Bible says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building each other up according to their needs, that it may be benefit that it may benefit those who listen." In other words, you need to understand that your words are either life giving or life taking. They are positive or negative. There is no words that are neutral. It's either life-giving or life-taking. You're building up or you're tearing down with every word you say. I love to encourage people. It's part of one of my gifts in life. 
I like people, helping people take the next step, and I do a lot of that through encouragement. Come on, you can do it. I believe that dream God's put inside you, you can do. Let's do, let's do this. You can do this. Come on. And I encourage them. They can do it. Now, my friend called me the other day. He said, Aaron, he said, he said you know what? He said, I got this dream inside of me. And he said, and I called two people. He said, I called my most realistic friend. So he'd be real with me about it. He said, I called my most encouraging friend. I said, which one am I? He said, you're the most encouraging one. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. I, I love to encourage people. I just love to encourage them. In fact, my prayer every day is to build people up with my words and not tear them down. Every day, that's my prayer. That, and, and, and we can pray the same thing. You can pray the same thing. We need to be encouragers of our loved ones. Find where they're discouraged and turn it around. Five is kindness. Create environments that are safe for people. This is what kindness does. Our words can create environments that are safe for people. Our words can be like what the Bible says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That in whatever you're facing, whatever conflict you're in, or whatever difficult situation, that harsh words just stir things up. That a gentle response, a gentle answer to whatever you're facing in your marriage or your friendship or your parenting situation with your kids, a gentle answer creates an environment where in the future they'll feel safe to just share that stuff and have those kind of conversations and those kind of interchanges with you. This means we make a commitment to controlling our tongues, to controlling what we say, that, that not only are we not going to let unwholesome things come out of our mouth, but, but we're not going to be, be, we're not going to be let, let like um, vile things come out of our mouths, that we're not going to say careless things. People feel safe around us. Giving gentle answers to difficult situations that you face in your life demonstrates kindness. And many of us, many of us, you're just like me. You need to seek God to help you in this area. You know, I'm, you can ask my kids if, they'll be, if they're being honest with you. I've been a yeller for most of their life. I'm a yeller. And I have, on a regular basis, gone to God and said, you know what, this is not, this is not best for my relationship with my kids. Everything, spill a cup, yell. I, I flew off the handle, man, and I would yell. And a few years back, I began to ask God, I said, I need you to work on this in me. Because remember, what you won't confess, he's not gonna heal. And I said, I don't wanna yell at my kids anymore. I wanna create safe environments, especially as they roll into being teenagers, man. They're gonna face more difficult things than they peed the bed or, or they broke something in the house or, you know, some real life situations with real life consequences. And I asked God to touch that area in my life. And if you ask my kids today, they'll tell you I'm a lot better. I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot better. If I start yelling, I'm more aware of it and I back down and I apologize and go, I am so sorry. It's different. We can create environments of kindness for people. And just know that if you've been a yeller just like me, you can ask God to forgive you, and he'll forgive you and cleanse you, but you've got to confess that deal with it. Number six, truth and love. Listen, to everything that you talk about can't be all nice stuff. Sometimes you've got to say some tough stuff, too. You've got to be honest with people and tell them the truth. Well, how do you do that? You do it with love. You, you, you do it with love. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, I'll tell you how I do that in a lot of my relationships. I ask permission. Can I be honest with you? Is it okay if I tell you a truth? You probably won't like it, but can I tell you? And if they say yes, it's on. Some of you just took notes. Noted, if pastor asks if he can be honest, the answer is no. <laughs> Listen, it's okay to tell somebody what's wrong, but you don't necessarily need to be the enforcer of it in their lives. It's really between them and God anyway. In fact, if you'll just be honest with them and love them and walk with them and pray with them, God will do the rest of it. No, you didn't hear me. It's not on you. It's not on you. You're not God. If you could change people's hearts, you'd be out there doing it. Well, that's all right. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 4 15, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. You become more and more like Christ when you speak love in truth. In John 1, 14, it says that Jesus was full of truth, but that he was also full of grace. This is why he could encounter a woman who was caught in the middle of having an adulterous affair caught 
means she was probably either wrapped in a sheet or was potentially naked, thrown before Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? I don't condemn you. In other words, he gave her grace. And he loved her. But he also gave her truth and he said, go and sin no more. And this is how we can love people with our words. We can say it in love because watch this. Truth without grace is mean. It just comes across harsh. Like you're being a jerk. But grace without truth is meaningless. It's okay, little buddy. I don't mind that you burned down the house. It's okay. That's not true. But truth and grace is medicine. And that's what we want to do. We want to live and speak what is true. Truth and love. And the last thing that we can do, the last way to communicate, and this one's so powerful, is prayer. Prayer. You know, I, I love this one in particular. You know, there'll be certain situations and conversations. People are sharing their hearts with me. I did it this morning in a parking lot. There's a gentleman sharing what was going on in his life with me, and he said, could you make sure you pray for him? As if I needed to go to some sacred and holy place to do that. As if I needed to be in a church with Ron playing so beautifully back here on the keys and you all looking at us and me lay hands on his forehead and pray for him like that was some kind of magic moment. And instead, I grabbed his, grabbed his shoulder and I said, let's pray right now. We we're just standing in the parking lot. I've done that to people in, in gyms. We've been working out and I run into somebody who share it and I'll just pray for him right there. Grocery stores, the hallway at work, I don't care. You can be that free too. It freaks them out a little bit, but that's okay. Don't look at them. Jesus' name I pray. It's just <laughs> I don't ask questions, but let me pray right now. Moon, I just go right into it. And, and most people will tell you, I've never had anybody do that. Because it takes this attitude. It takes this attitude that David had, that, that God's not bound in a building. He resides on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit is there. David had this attitude. He said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. David was so aware of his presence that he was aware that God, he put him at his right hand. That's the hand of power, by the way. That's a whole other message. He said, God's here at my right hand. He was aware of his presence. He said, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue, what he's saying, rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Just pray. Pray with your family. Pray with your spouse. You know what? The next time things get heated in a heated conversation, grab their hand and say, can we just pray for just a moment? I don't have all the words. I don't know the right thing to pray right now, but I know that we need to pray. I know that we need God to intervene. I know that something's got to give. I know that I need wisdom to navigate this. I know that I need some help. I need some grace. I need some mercy. And we need God. Just pray. And I promise you that if you'll take these seven things and start them this week, that your words will begin to create a world that you'll love to be in, a world that you'll, you'll love to be part of, and that those you're in relationship will love to be a part of. Amen? It'll revolutionize your relationships. Let's pray. Father, I know there's a lot of people in this room right now that are going to need help with this. Because there's a lot of us in here that need your healing in order to be able to do this. There's a lot of us that come from brokenness because of the words that have been spoken over our lives. And as a result, the lies that we began to believe about ourselves. So God, I just ask that you would heal every broken heart. I ask that you would defeat every lie that has been believed in this house and in their hearts. I ask you, God, to heal them from the words that moms and dads have said to them, that bosses have spoken over them, that maybe even siblings or teachers or possibly even pastors or ministers. I pray for healing. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us who are hurt and offended by those words to forgive. And I pray, God, that your truth would re replace the lies that we believed. And for all of us that are here that have said words that we wish we could get back, I pray, God, that you would forgive us and cleanse us of it. Others of you, you're struggling with other areas of this whole thing, and, and I'm going to tell you that unless you confess this to God, he's not going to heal it. 
Just try it and see if I'm right. God's faithful. That if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive it. And this is when the transformation begins. When you say, I need help in this area. He'll be faithful to transform you. When we take responsibility for our own mouths. So God, help us to do that. Help us to speak praise. To speak thanksgiving. To speak our affection for one another. To give encouragement. To speak kindly and in love. We're going to need you for that. As I continue to pray in this moment, nobody moving around, please. This is the moment for some of you that in order to do any of this that I'm talking about, you need to first have encountered the love of God. And the way you do that is, is through a relationship with Jesus. God wants to forgive you, give you a redo, a start over for all the mistakes of you, and that you've made in your life. The Bible calls that sin where we spend our life walking away from his best for us. And in this moment, you can, you can receive that. You can start over with God. Some of you need to start over. Some of you just need to start for the first time. And so we're gonna pray a prayer here in just a moment. It's, it's communication where you and I are gonna talk to God together and you'll have an opportunity to begin a relationship with him. So right now, if you're in this room, don't worry, I'm not gonna make you come to the front or say anything on a microphone or anything like that. I just wanna know that you're here. So if you're here and you're saying, Aaron, that's me today, I need to make that commitment. Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me? Do that now, be bold. Remember, God, God touches what you confess. Any others? Church, let's pray together. Everybody praying out loud, nobody praying alone. Jesus, I need you. Fill my life. Make me brand new. Forgive me of my sins. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, church. Can we say?